so stupid, he comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Guaranteed to be first to you than Lando Norris's Instagram, welcome back to Motorsport 101. See? If it, if it helps the visual image, I'm currently doing this podcast with no shirt on. Good evening, everybody! <laughs> I'm Trey Harrison, and welcome to episode 224 of Motorsport 101, the first edition. Uh, clearly. Um, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> but, um, no, we are back with, uh, with another slightly shorter edition this time around, because, well, we didn't get an awful lot of motorsport this week. So this is going to be like a mini episode, which means it'll probably still go for about four hours, because we like things to be constrained and tightened on this show. Ooh, phrasing. Anyway, with me this week, um, as usual, is Mr. RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Oh boy, um, I think we're. I think when you listen to this uh, podcast, uh, you're you're going to have to listen to it in incognito mode. I'm just putting that warning out there. It's uh, it's just. Nothing but filth. You, you you act like this podcast isn't already labelled not safe for work in this highly intense visual medium that it is. You know, so... <laughs> well, what's the worst that could possibly happen? Um, well, somebody could just stumble in just wearing a Porsche bathrobe and drinking like a fifth of Hennessy as they walk into the podcast. Oh, sweet Jesus, Cam! What did I tell y'all? Oh, God... I got the miles, I got that hen, and I got that debut podium. We all thought Porsche were going to come with their pants tied around their ankles. Apparently not. Yeah, like, hang on. I wasn't here Don't you play with me, Hi Hazel Southwell. Don't you play with me today. So let me get this straight. I wasn't here during the formulary season preview. I believe the line was, and I quote from one Hazel Southwell, Probably the best Formula E journalist on the planet today. Porsche have no idea what they're doing. Hmm. <laughs> right. I don't even know why I brought that up. <laughs> no, I can't possibly <laughs> imagine why. Seriously. How do we possibly miss that? Oh, and uh, I have a surprise for you, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. That's Zoe Hamilton's music. <laughs> oh, Did I dear. even ask what my music is? Um, it's just it's it's just bagpipes, to be honest. It, if, if it worked for Roddy Piper, it can work for you. <laughs> yes, noted. Notice Scottish-born Scotsman Roddy Piper from Canada. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what did you expect? Welcome back, Zoe. How are you? I'm not bad. I've currently got Alexi walking laps around me after crying at the door. To be fair, at least it ain't Floyd. Now, Floyd will just be sort of scowling in a minute or two once he realises she's in here with me. Explain all the Tim Hortons cups. Who let her back in? (laughs) Uh, I believe it was you. Shit. Um, (laughs) 
I'll have the door open again, didn't we, I? We wouldn't have it any other way. It's great to have you back, Zoe. Boy, this Thank Formula you. E season is... Yes, you're welcome. Oh, God, this is a good Formula E season debut. I mean, yeah, that, that first weekend played out exactly like predicted, correct? I mean, yes. DS to Cheetah. Damn. Yeah, I, like, unfortunately, we may have to just, like, basically just delete our Formula E season preview and basically start over. Um, <laughs> it happens. It happens. But, Sometimes the whole point about predictions is getting them completely wrong. But my Memphis E pre idea, my pitch, I can have a race inside a giant outdoor store that's also a 20,000-seat sports arena that had the Tyson vs. Lewis super fight in it. And we could have Simon Pagino and Tristan Vautier wander around. <laughs> I support this. Unfortunately, we put it on Shark Tank and Mark Cuban didn't like it. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. We tried. Um, Hopefully he doesn't like his team getting run over by the Clippers. Oh, wait. Oh, it's, it, it, it's the Mavericks. Who cares? Um, right. <laughs> Places you can find this real quick. We are on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. If you'd like to follow our personal handles, you can. Um, at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell. Just double barrel the letters, it's important. And Cam Buckley 917 yank out the vowels. Oh, and if you want to follow Zoe on Twitter, you can at WeZoe. Uh, that's W-E-E. S-Z-O-E-Y. Uh, look out for the tremendous bob. It's uh, you, you can't miss it. Uh, yes, and hot takes such as Marco Andretti is really a Disney princess. What, what, where do you get more <laughs> for your entertainment dollar? Uh, quite frankly. Is that, is that why everyone's subscribing to Disney Plus? Of course. <laughs> To be, to be fair, it, it's it's just because he's made his, his first Disney appearance in the movie. Um, it, it's an accurate representation of his IndyCar career. It was called Tangled. Um, <laughs> <if it's... laughs> Welcome back, Zoe. Um, if you like us, you can back us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to all of our shows as, as they become immediately available. $10 gets you into our Discord service, Supporters Club, where you can listen to these episodes live as they go out. Shout out to Vince and Rezzy, who is still up at like 4.15 in the morning because he's a narcissist. Um, and Charles is in here listening in. Hope you guys enjoy the show tonight. And you can check all of those informations and much, much more on the website, motorsport101.com. As you may or may not have been aware, I'm still currently in the middle of a writing challenge. I promised uh, a good friend of mine, Ali, I would do 10,000 words of writing on the site in the month of November. Very nearly there. Um, there is a piece on MotoGP's 2021 grid. I don't normally play rampant to such mindless speculation because that's what journalists do whenever a city season rolls up. But so many people asked me, I thought I would indulge. That'll be up probably by the time this episode goes out. If you haven't seen it already, I've done a bunch of shit in November already. Uh, Dre versus Dre on James Hinchcliffe's impeachment. Um, getting yanked out of the IndyCar field. I almost said impeachment there, which wouldn't make sense given he's Canadian. Um, not quite there. A piece on Lewis Hamilton. A big Ask Me Anything. Jorge Lorenzo's retirement. And my 2019 MotoGP season review in general. As well as some thoughts on Alex Marquez's Repsol Honda Switch. Check it out if you have not already. It is a, a good time for all involved. 
And like I said, there'll be one more piece on me getting their 2021 grid probably up in the next couple of days. We're recording this on the 27th, so by the time this episode goes out, it'll probably would have been up by then. So yeah, enjoy all of that fun stuff um, and a bunch of other blogs as well. All that, motorsport101.com. Thank you very much for that. King sadly is not here this week. He is uh, dealing with some overtime at work. We call it doing the Dre at this point. Um, he also, he, he, I, he, I think he's currently trying to find a death warrant against me for mocking his love of Jamie Chadwick. Um, this is a problem because apparently on Twitter now everybody has gone horny on Maine. I, I don't they know if really like, this have. is a new look. When you make the tweet, you're open yourself to getting clowned. <laughs> well, like he said, and I quote: "I'm going to tweet my kid, like my kids, that this was the Queen of England, and it's a picture of Jamie Chadwick." He was asking for me to dunk on him from a great height. <laughs> Like a red rag to a bull. So, apparently today, like, November 27th is now officially F1 Twitter on, like, horny on main day. Lando Norris liking boobs on Instagram. Hazel posting about wanting to bang Lando and going to hell because he's only, like, 20 years old. I've got nothing. I I can't keep up with this filth anymore. It's ridiculous. She's not like there is literally the highest tweet in my mentions right now is Hazel saying that no mates I'm going to go and look whatever nudes Dirty Ian has posted in reference to Andrea Iannone. I I, I I don't know anymore. That's okay? probably at this point the racing streaming subscriptions need a subscription of Horny Be Gone to come with it. No, they just, they just need a free week of Pornhub Premium and they'll be fine. Um, <laughs> we'll get it out of the system one way or another. Um, but yeah, de- as we deal with our imminent horniness, we will also talk about Formula E Season 6 opener in Riyadh and uh, both their races there. It is a fun time for all involved. It, uh, it was a fun weekend if you're a fan of The Sims. Alexander Sims, that is. Um, yeah, quite a decent weekend, kind of. Especially if it's taking race two. And the bird, in- indeed, is still the word. Trust me, it's 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 very important. Um, <laughs> so all of that and much much more. Well, a lot of IndyCar speculation. Like I want to say, there's a lot going on here. There really isn't. Um, but, but hey, we'll still probably find a way to make it a two-hour show. No, after this quick musical break, we'll be back to talk about Formula E in Saudi Arabia without hiccups, probably. He's back, everybody! Yeah! Season six is here! <laughs> Yay! I, I prepared an opening statement. Was there a opening statement, Cam? Oh, it's just the uh, stack of papers I slammed on the desk. Oh, his opening statement is apparently 314 pages long. It's great. <laughs> and every and every word is "fuck you, Toki." <laughs> <laughs> Now, for those who don't know, Toki in the Discord is our resident Mercedes fan. So, um, any chance to dunk on Mercedes, Cam will gladly take. And this is one of them, apparently. So, uh, yeah, fun, a fun time for all involved. Um, so, Cam, go on, spread open your, che- your cheeks and lift your sack and uh, talk about how great Porsche was. Oh, well... The story of two different weekends for the Porsche team because, uh, well, Andre Lauderer looks, you know, it looks like he just swapped the paint from his Tachita from last year. He was great all weekend. Neil Johnny, 
Um, you okay, bud? Yeah. Yeah. Not not ideal. Yeah, he didn't look. He looked like he was having about the kind of weekend that he had when he quit one weekend into his formerly tenure, his last time out at Dragon. Friends don't let friends go to Dragon. How is he so good in LMP ones and so bad in everything else? It's a curious thing to get to get a grasp of this formula E. Because, again, as much as we rave about the success of John Eric Verne as the series' first back-to-back champion, um, he didn't really get it right away. It had to come a time. Yeah, and that's that's certainly the case with him. But, uh, yeah. On the other hand, Andre Lauderer got second place! Woo! Ah! He's so happy. The tallest man in racing. To be fair, Charles did make a good point in the Discord. John Eric Verne scored a pole in his debut. In yeah, he did he get pole. It was more or less a. It was a matter of could he sustain that pace or a full race distance. That was the part that had to come with time and experience. And boy, did it ever! Although, if you're just coming into Formula E watching this race, you might not have thought so because it was no, it was a pretty bad, no good, kind of terrible weekend for one John Eric Verne. Not only that, it was a pretty terrible weekend for DS to Cheetah on the whole. You know, that team that we tipped to just crush the field. Yeah, the one which they pretty much did last year. Yeah, in qualifying, DaCosta made a mistake, ended up being one of the slowest runners. Yeah, ended up qualifying 21st. Yeah, um, I think because of the way FE qualifying works, he basically did his flying lap on what was supposed to be his warm-up lap. So it was like a 200 run rather than a 250 run, huh? Mm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know it's a go- you know it's an interesting grid when Buemi, Degrassi, DaCosta, and Vern, none of them are starting in the top ten. And Alexander Sims, having won the pole for the most recent for the season finale last time out, wins pole again to start the season ahead of Stoffel Van Dorn and Nick DeVries for Mercedes. What? Yeah, that, that whole thing about new teams not getting a grasp on FE right away. This is not a new team. Throw this, that is, right. this is HWA well, yes, Race Lab. Not a new race team. Lab. But even so, the two newcomers to FE, I think they exceeded all expectations for their first weekend. Damn right they did. And Toto was down there. So I wasn't there for Brazil this time around. His presence was sorely missed in the F1 paddock, really. I mean, like, <laughs> you, you would. Feeling like, you see, you, you take one race out and Mercedes goes to shit. You see, like. We, we were missing that. F- that slamming of the, the desk is that it all went wrong for Lewis. That was what the coverage was missing. Oh. Like, if I want to get a message out to Toto, can I just say real quick, please don't go to Formula One weekends more often. Just just, just throwing that out there. Well, he may not need to if these uh, if these Mercedes factory team quit talks come true. <laughs> like, oh, like, bullshit. They, they make enough of a profit. They're not going to leave. Precisely. Race one out, Sander Sims leads from Stoffel Van Dorn, and Nick DeVries, the rookie in third, Eduardo Martara in fourth. DeVries, uh, Sims looks like he is in an uncomfortable position to win this race right to start the season, but uh, starting from fifth position, Sam Bird is slowly making his way up through the field, and with ten minutes to go, passes for the lead ahead of Stoffel Van Dorn, who had just taken the lead from Sims. So we all were thinking, like, Sims is going to win. No, Vandor's going to get his first win. And no, out of nowhere, it's Sam Bird with five laps to go, taking the win. Bird up. Yeah, one of the biggest dynamics in these in this race was the fact that because you need to take attack mode twice during the race, 
and because you lose so much time taking attack mode, that depending on where you were in relation to others, you might drop behind someone and you might not get that position back. Yeah, drivers were not happy with the attack zone placement. Um, Blemmy had problems because of this. They were saying like drivers were just not happy with where where it was placed. I believe this was right right at that chicane, right after the start finish line, if I'm correct. Yeah, I was. I, I, yeah, right up against the wall on the outside of turn one, basically. And yeah, and the track conditions this weekend were a mess. The track improved three seconds from race one to race two's qualifying, just by clearing the sand away. Track evolution. Yeah. Oh the... boy. We... Mega Evolution. Gigantamax. Mm. And speaking of yeah. Gigantamax, boy, as we mentioned, Andre Lauderer, starting seventh, finishing second on his Porsche debut. He's kind of good at this thing, by the way. Yeah, I was just hoping, like, you know, going into the year, going into this race, if Porsche just finished, I would have been happy. And maybe a podium or two on the year would have been nice. Mission accomplished. Race one. We can go home, boys. <laughs> well, problem the solved. Is, the thing is, hasn't Porsche been working on this since like like throughout of last year and everything? So they weren't. Uh, that... Pretty much since uh, the middle of 2017 when they shit canned the LMP1 program. So I mean, yeah. should we really be surprised? No, and the, the, they've been pretty dialed in with hybrid tech since they started developing their own 918 Spider. So it's like they've been. They've been wrapped up with hybrid tech for quite some time. And if you look at the current three hypercars of the LaFerrari, the Porsche, and the McLaren P1, the Porsches was f- by far the most versatile and practical system. So I'm not entirely... Also insert them just Sparta-kicking Audi off the top at Le Mans, which no one else did for the better part of 15 years. Of course, it helps. Yeah. But uh, no, as, as Cam mentioned with Track Evolution, fastest lap in race one was a one was a one thirteen seven from Daniel Lap. There was a one twelve four from the Costa in race two. So uh, yeah, so yeah. you can imagine how bad this track was offline, where you needed to go to get attack mode. But that's the thing. That's the that's, that's the problem. It's a fundamental problem with attack mode because they have to put all the zones off the race in line for it to work effectively. So it's it's a double edged sword. And if you insist on racing on street circuits, you've got to clean that part of the track up, otherwise. It's dangerous going into attack mode. Remember Santiago last season? Ooh. Oh, God. Well, that track literally fell apart. Also, Stoffel Van Dorn looked very impressive at points in last year. He was just very much unlucky to be bitten repeatedly by the reliability bug. Um, I know it's just one Zoe race Hamilton weekend. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, Van Dorn uh, did very well, led several laps ended up coming away in third place so porsche and mercedes kind of making this look easy from the outset of their full yeah, flesh. Just mention something happened to stoffel van dorn with a few laps to go regarding his attack mode he dr- he drove through the attack zone lost the position and then the safety car came out five seconds later it came out when daniel lap just clattered the wall trying to race side by side with i want to say this is da costa yeah he's trying to hold his position botches the chicane and ends up clunking into the wall yeah sense did not go well yeah didn't go well Two other retirements that at least started the race. John Eric Vern's car broke down 27 minutes in, and Sebastian Buemi didn't even make it seven minutes officially. Nico Mueller didn't even start his first Formula E race. 
DNS. Remember. Did not fr- stop. Friends don't let friends hook up with Jay Penske. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Horny on main, everybody. Did, did the same team behind the Lotus 2012 IndyCar engine develop their powertrain? Oh. Mm. That's just mean. I like it. Somewhere, John Alacy just stood up in disgust. John Alacy has <laughs> just left the chat. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. But uh, yeah, there, there was a couple of technical requirements out there for that reason. John Eric Verne parked it 27 minutes in on lap 21. Daniel, as mentioned, clattered the wall lap 29. Wemmy didn't make it past lap 3 um, on that one. But yeah, as a result of race 1, Sam Bird... Coming through with a string of aggressive overtakes. Hi, Lexi. Um, <laughs> winning race one by 1.3 ahead of Andre Lossera. Stoffer Van Dorn on the podium in third. Oliver Rowland for the Edams team up there in fourth. Good job from him. Robin Frins in fifth. Nick DeFries in sixth in the second Mercedes. We have a guest. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This is how you know Zoe's back, everybody. She's brought the damn pets along, too. Um, <laughs> Atmosphere. That's what you call it. Um, Alex Sim was in eighth. So again, started in the lead, fell down the order in the second half of the race quite nastily. Um, he was in eighth in the end. Uh, Mitch, Darren D'Ambrosio, I should say, in ninth for Mahindra. And then Mitch Evans. Bruh. RJ? Mitch, bruh! There we go. Mr. Free to Play himself was in tenth. Head of Pascal Verlein, Felipe Massa, Lucas Degrassi in 13th, DeCosta 14th. Ahead of Oliver Turvey, James Collado making his Formula E debut in 16th. Ahead of Neil Yarny, 15 seconds off the top after a safety car in 17th. Maxi Gunther uh. in 18th. Brendan Hartley, 19th. And Maquin Ha in 20th because someone's got to be in that car. Uh, Uh, race two, and uh... if you if you wanted a little bit of spice with race one, race two brought the whole fucking pepper tart, and oh, you wouldn't yeah. be able Red, to tell because Alexander green. Sims led this wire to wire. Surprise! Sims got pole again. First driver with three straight poles, and he led every lap on route to victory. But everything else, boy, that was fun. Carnage, carnage behind him in race two. Um, Bird went. Sam Bird went from hero to zero. The word. Tried to run side no, by side. No, I he's think not it was the word. Hey, f- Bird up. Yeah. yeah. Break it down, RJ, because I think it. I, f- I think Bird and Evans was going side by side, and they hit each other, and yeah. like. Yeah, Zagrassi, by the way, is trying his best to try and keep DaCosta out of second. In doing so, he kind of leaves the door open for Sam Bird to come from a, about 100 meters back to try and take one of those positions no, like- off of them. Bird forces his way through. He thinks he's gotten past Degrassi, but he's on the dirty line, and he sets himself up to where he's coming into what is essentially a one-lane road, side-by-side with Mitch Evans. And Bird doesn't know that Evans is there. He gets turned around, pushed into the wall, and Sam Bird, just 24 hours after winning the season opener, is done from the second leg of the Formula E crown jewel. Whoops. As Pascal Verline also picks up front nose cone damage. Also, I love that during the safety car, like, because in fear he was going to get the black and orange flag treatment, he tried to deliberately run part of his car into the wall to get rid of the damage. Hilarious. 
galaxy brain meme Pascal Verlein, complete with man bun. Pretty much. Gotta love it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. I actually have a problem with what happened with Pascal because uh, Andre Lauder was running right behind him when he had his incident. Mm-hmm. And Whoops. ended up getting pinged for overtaking behind the safety car while Verline was driving himself into the wall to break parts off of his car. Getting penalties for overtaking under safety car is going to become a theme of this race as we go through it. Right. More on that later. But uh, that was a thing. Um, now, should we break this incident down now? RJ, talking about this, the big safety car incident. Oh, goodness, yes. Yeah, so, we cut to the chase. There's 21 minutes left. Sam, uh, Sims leads to Costa second. Sims goes for the attack mode right as they go to green. In doing so, uh, he goes off the line, and DaCosta accidentally edges ahead of him. So, DaCosta just does... He just basically parks it on the apex to try and let Sims on through to take back the position. Uh, but he is already clearly ahead. And while this is all going on, right behind them, Matsum- in the chaos, Maximilian Gunther gets past not only Lucas Degrassi, but Stoffel Van Dorn as well. And he, jumps he just in- said, fuck them kids. <laughs> as the kid. Fool Michael Jordan. As, as the kid, he goes, fuck his own kind, sod the Gen Xers, I'm going to take both of them down the inside here, because sod it, they're diddy-dallying. Gunther takes... Jack and Dario spotted this, like, right away, and it took a while for them to inevitably render the verdict. It was like an hour after the race where we got the verdict. Yeah. yeah. It, it, took him, it, it, it took him forever from what was a slam dunk shown on replay, which I thought was quite funny. They, they, they showed it on replay during the race itself. It's an absolute slam dunk penalty because he's passed them under the safety car. And it's, oh, you we should also talk the, about the other thing that happened under safety car regarding race control. Go on. Um, y'all ever just throw a race green while there's still marshals on the track? <laughs> oh, oh God. no. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, you can't let that happen, FIA. You can't. That's no. so inexcusable. I don't think I saw this on the race highlights, and for good reason, probably. There's I, no way they would put that in a race edit. Like, that. Like, let's, let's show off our own incompetence. Um... No, 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 no. This cannot be it, Formula Formula E. That is, no, that is completely unacceptable. Like, how did that happen? That's fucking dangerous. Speaking of dangerous... The understatement of the century, RJ. It's, it's the thing is, the the car sort of swung back, so I don't know whether they threw it thinking, oh, it's going in, and then... As they went to manoeuvre it, it's then swung back and they've had to pull back onto the track. Because the car was swing quite badly when the, the, the camera went to them. Put it to you this way. This made Sebastian Buemi rejoining the track after being spun around look like a very competent manoeuvre. <laughs> As he almost mm. took out half the field trying to, trying to like half-heartedly spin his car around in front of the entire pack. Including his own teammate. Roman Grosjean has entered the chat. Oh god, they've all crashed. <laughs> I think Ericsson hit us. Yeah, I think it was certainly Ericsson's fault. Oh my god. <laughs> what the hell was that rejoin? Uh, I-, I don't know how to describe it. It is a rare case of a very good driver for a moment looking very, very foolish. And, and to be fair, this goes back to that attack mode-, mode placement thing. This was like the main flashpoint of that. 
uh, because Buemi had to go offline to go get it. He got turned around. By DaCosta. Yep, by DaCosta. Yep. As they're contesting for Was DaCosta penalized for that, by the way? Yes. I, yeah, I want to say he was. Yeah, he yeah. was, because he got it from... He he got his penalty for hitting Buemi, but he didn't agree with it. He tweeted about it afterwards. Right, and was Buemi penalized for the rejoin? I don't think he was. I think he was. That's complete... That's complete bullshit. Yeah. yeah he, however, he was furious about the attack mode location, saying, I braked as late as I could to try and create a little bit of a gap, and as I slowed down to go to the attack mode, he basically kicked the back of the car. No, oh dear. Because the other thing is, um, that was a, like a blind turn. Cause, Essentially, yeah. Because everyone was kind as they, they went round, they were then trying to dive, make sure they weren't about to take the nose of Boemi's car off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and where the attack mode placement was on that part of the chicane, like, it's, it's like, beyond 90 degrees to the right. You can't see it when you turn it into the apex of that corner, so it's even less ideal. It it was Um, similar to what happened, uh, what was it, last year in Paris, when he and Robert Frins had their incident, when he was going for attack mode again. Hmm. Yeah, it, it was a complete mess, and I can't believe Bremi got away without punishment for that rejoin. That was completely fucking ridiculous and super dangerous. I'm sorry, whether you like it or not, Seb, you've got to let the field go by first. They, they were far too close together on restart. You, you've just got to take your L and go to the back on this one. You don't spin the car around in the middle of the track and then systemically hurt your teammate in the process by doing so. Yeah. Um, it wasn't good. No, it was it was extremely dangerous. That cannot be allowed to happen. Like, Again, it was only the second most dangerous thing that happened on that afternoon. Uh, Carry on. Oh yes, we, that goes back to the uh, to the whole thing of waving the race green while there are still marshals working on yeah, the track. Of course, yeah. It's, it's mental stuff. But yeah, Alexander Sims just making history. All day long. He was the first driver to claim two pole positions in a weekend since Buemi at the New York Ypres in Seasons 4. He's also the first driver ever to have three pole positions in a row over the stretch of two championships. Alexander Sims is starting off the season very well. And he told our friends at InsideElectric.com that he had doubts about whether he would have wanted to come back after, after a tough tough end of the season before the last weekend of the year in New York. Um, Mm. He's glad that he's back now and he seems refocused and yeah, he is a very, very top quality driver as these season's results have panned out. And And most importantly... Yes. And most importantly, BMW gets a 1-2 finish in the second leg of the Yadaria E. Pre-Psych! Sorry about that. Were you forgetting about that Max Gunther overtaking under a safety car incident? Yeah. Um, he was, Hell, for he a was little g- while, we thought the stewards did. Yeah. Yeah, so did they for a little while. They, when they eventually got up from their edible yeah, so- and finally realized what had happened. Um, <laughs> so this was the order as they came across the line. Sims, Gunther, 1-2, Degrassi, 3rd, Van Dorn, 4th, Mortara in 5th, Andre Lauder in 6th, Oliver Rowland in 7th, Nick DeVries in 8th, Sebastian Buemi in ninth, and Oliver Turvey in 10th. Boy, it did not finish that way. Oh, God. You get a penalty, you get a penalty, 
everyone's getting a penalty. Apart from Sims. Let me get this straight. Max Gunther was given, I think it was a 24-second time penalty, the equivalent of a drive-through yes. for his overtake under a, sa- under a safety car, right? Yes. That's one. Mm-hmm. What else am I missing here? We're Oof. also missing uh, Andre Lauder picked up a uh, picked up a penalty for overtaking under the safety car. Yeah. Uh, for a car that was driving itself into the wall to try and break itself more. Nick DeVries. Real big brain. Also gets another, gets a five-second penalty, which drops him out of the points. Oliver Turvey is just straight up disqualified for a, for an energy use infringement, which is really shitty considering he was putting the Neo Triple Three team on their on his back the whole fucking weekend. Pretty much. He had no right to be performing as well as he was in that dog shit car. And Sebastian Buemi got a 10-second penalty, which dropped him out of the points. So the net result of all of this. Was it Nick DeVries as well? Yes, we cover Nick DeVries. So the end result of all oh, this, yeah. John Eric Verne, who was sent to the back for this race and given a stop-go penalty for a change of battery between qualifying and the race, goes on from 13th on the road to finish 8th. As you do. Exactly as scripted. <laughs> form, form book. Tear it up. Throw it out the window and set it on fire. <laughs> it makes perfect sense, though. Of course it does. It's Formula Marine. Uh, if it makes no sense, it makes sense. Um, here's the official result after all those penalties were put into our calculators and we pressed enter. Alex Sims obviously keeps his win. With the pole position, he gets 28 points in total because he won the Grand Prix and had pole position. Lucas Degrassi was second, 2.8 seconds behind. Stoffel Van Dorn on the podium because, hey, who... Who needs a curse? He was in third again. Um, Adora Motara was fourth for Venturi. Um, Oliver Rowland fifth for Edams. Daniel Apton sixth. James Collado in seventh in his first Formula E weekend. Nice yes. to see him yeah, up there. Good one. As mentioned, Jev somehow eighth after all of those penalties were factored in. Brendan Hartley gets his first set of points in the series, finishing in ninth. Yay! Our blonde-haired yes. Kiwi son is back in there. Um, and and Felix da Costa scores one point plus the bonus two because he had the fastest lap of all those runners in the top ten with a one twelve four. So he gets three points instead of one. He so yeah, Max Gunther dropped to eleventh after penalties. Sebastian Buemi was twelfth after a penalty. Neil Yarni was thirteenth. Lotter fourteenth after a penalty. Man Bun in fifteenth. Nick De Vries in sixteenth. Philippe um, Massa in seventeenth. Free to play Mitch in eighteenth. Mark Winghar in 19th, and as mentioned, five DNF slash disqualifications, I should say. Oliver Turvey, as mentioned, disqualified for a uh, energy use infringement. Nico Muller did not finish, as in Robin Frins. Sam Berta, both virgins went from heroes to zeros, not finishing in, in the race either. I think Bobsy Bird from the collision with Mitch and Robin had, I think, had a technical failure. And Jerome D'Ambrosio, who didn't even make the start. Um, so. Jerome! Jerome, no. So, after all that shake-up, I bet you're wondering, what does the early championship standings look like? I'm glad you asked. Seven cars got drive-through penalties for passing under the safety car out of this shit show. Seven. Am I right in thinking without penalties, DS Tachita would not have scored points this weekend? Yeah, um, so yeah. Dear God. It was a drive-through penalty converted to 24 seconds. And, like, the, the cars involved were 4, 17, 19, 20, 28, 33, and 36. And in layman's terms, that's 
Friends, the Freeze, Massa, Evans, Gunther, Mukwin Hart, and Andre Lotterer. Seven drive-through penalties for uh, overtaking on the under yellow, because of course, <laughs> totally makes sense, yo. Um, <laughs> some more fair than others, shall we say? Um, so, I bet you're thinking early championship standings after all of that hot mess. Alexander Sims leads the way with 35 points. He has a five-point lead on Stoffel Van Dorn in second with his pair of third places. Sad Bird is third. The bird mate isn't quite the word, but it's sort of a word in 26 points in third. Ollie Roland fourth on 22. Lucas Degrassi and Andre Lotterer dead level on 18 points each, as does Adora Mortara. Um, Robin Frins has 10. Nick DeFreeze has 8, as does Daniel Apps. James Collado has 6. Jeff has 4. Somehow. Um, Felix da Costa in, has three points. Brendan Hartley has two, as does Jerome D'Ambrosio and Mitch Evans. Everybody else yet to score. Um, of course, still very early days just yet. I'm still at 13 races to go in this season. So, again, don't read too much into that in the time going. Although, it is fun seeing a constructors battle where there's only three points covering the top three. Fun! Mercedes leads the championship. Stop me if you've heard that one before. I thought we, I thought we covered this series to get away from that in Formula One. <laughs> yeah, God. about that. Toki's still at half mast. Um, Thirty-eight points. They need the championship right now. Envision. Yeah, I get to tear that down later. Yeah. Envision on 36 points, all of their points scored in the first race of the two. Um, and BMW Andretti in third on 35 points, just three off the top. Audi Sport with 26, Enam's 22, Porsche 18, Foreign Midfield, hooray! Venturi on 18, Jaguar on 8, Tichita on 7th, there's a surprise for you. Mahindra in 10th on 2, as is Dragon and uh, the Neo team yet to score. Could very easily be this year's Williams. Who knows? I want it's uh, that that brings me to a good point because it's not just Venturi Racing because we got a sponsorship oh, no. deal that was signed before the race that James oh, Harden God. and Russell Westbrook would be proud of. The Rocket Venturi Racing. Rocket Venturi Racing. This is basically just with Massa and Susie Wolf at the helm. This is basically just like Williams, the Formula E edition, right down to the. It's sponsor. Williams with extra steps. <laughs> so the, if the Rockets are sponsoring them, does that mean they get to piss off China? <laughs> mm. No, it's it's, no? it's Rocket Phones. Uh, oh, oh, I see. The ones so, that sponsor know, Williams. Shit, I shouldn't have put that tweet out there about there being a uh, pro Hong Kong. Um, oops, um, <laughs> we might have just cost us some money. Uh, that, that, that's going to be a problem, yo. Um, but hey, Dre, it's not all bad though because. If you're feeling low on national pride, uh, British drivers have 89 points to Belgium's 32. Brexit means Brexit, motherfuckers! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> to the top of the standings. It's the wood of the people! One thing we did get right, though, were that beards were going to be the key to the championship. Sam Bird even said as much that his beard gave him confidence in the first race. Eh, maybe not so much the second, but hey! It works. Zoe gives me crap for shaving my face. Bring back the 2017 beard. No, please don't. <sighs> hey, look, Kane yes, cannot be the only person pestered to grow back a certain piece of facial hair, okay? <laughs> He's already having it bad enough as it is, which we'll cover in the new section. No, you see, like, Zoe's been back for half an episode and she's already trying to influence people again. She's gotten far too fucking comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> 
Can't have this. Uh, no, the beard is not coming back, RJ. I, I forbid it. This is not a democracy. Um, That's fine. I, I don't even like this beard anyway. You can have it. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Get into the news, fellas. Yes. Yeah. Lovely. Let's get into the news. Um. Oh boy. Zoe's come back, and there's now more mass chaos in IndyCar. Of course, these things are totally <laughs> coincidental. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got another shocker this time at Dale Coin uh, earlier this week. As it turns out, I think it was actually it was more like late last week, but still, uh, Sebastian Bourdais is gone. From Dale Coyne Racing. He has been uh, let go. The last year of his contract was was not taken up by DCR. Um, and shockwaves were sent through IndyCar for the second time this offseason. Yeah, because as stunning as it was, although we kind of had an inkling that they, uh, Hench was going to get dropped, this kind of came out of nowhere with Sebastian Coyne, and it might have come down to just a lack of sponsorship for Bourdais, who has never had to be a pay driver at any point in his professional top-flight career. Right. Now, mm. like this, this is what uh, Coyne himself told Racer.com and Marshall Pruitt regarding the situation. He goes... Um, very happy that Sebastian decided to drive for us after his Formula 1 tour in 2011 and again the last three years and appreciate all that he's done for our team but the ever-changing landscape in IndyCar has changed our plans for 2020 um, it, I believe he goes on to mention as well that simply put they just needed more funding and um, uh, this, is, like, this, is, this is a continuation of Marshall Pruitt's piece on the situation he said um, it's believed Frenchman who joined the team in 2017 with his title winning race engineer Craig Hampson was informed the final year of his contract to pilot the number 18 Honda fielded by Coyne, Jimmy Vassar and James Sullivan will not be honoured. A new need for funding is said to have led to Coyne's decision to stand Bordet down in favour of finding a paying driver to complete the entry's operating budget. It's unclear whether Hampson, who joined the team specifically to be reunited with his champ car driver, will remain with the Illinois-based outfit. The timing of Coyne's late decision could be crippling for Bourdais, whose options appear to be severely limited, with a new season rapidly approaching in March. Well, to be fair, we've now gotten word of that since this. Seb's going to be racing in IMSA next year. Yeah. Um, so, he's at least, it's, it's certainly a sabbatical. Um, yeah. from uh, from the series, yeah. for at least for a year. Yeah, um, Sebastian himself sounds. even said on November 22nd, he won't comment on his exit from DCR, but is very excited and thankful for the opportunity to race in IMSA with JDC Miller Motorsports. To clarify things, none of this means my retirement from IndyCar. End quote. We should get into that JDC Miller move because... Uh... Joao Barbosa and Loic Duval out of pl- no, out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. JDC Miller making power moves. They got Sebastian Bourdais. They got a four-time in a row American Open Wheel champion in his prime. A Daytona 24-hour <laughs> overall winner, a Lamar class winner. They stole the number five car out of Action Express Racing, and we know that. We know that they shuttered that operation and have downsized to a single car for the 31 team now. 
because they lost their sponsorship from Mustang Sampling. Well, we thought Mustang Sampling was gone from the sport. Nope. Just reorganize. <laughs> no, sir. Just reorganize elsewhere. And I've got to say, it's this. I'm glad that Bourdais is still going to be racing, and he says he's not done with IndyCar because this would have been a really, really shitty way to send out one of the all-time best the sports ever had. Am I wrong in thinking that? It seems no, like it's a reoccurring theme. I mean, if if I wanted to read one more paragraph from Marshall Pruitt's Priest, and it's the most interesting, it's this one. Although seats are open at AJ Foyt and Carlin Racing, both of the Chevy-powered programs are also searching for funded drivers. Other potential landing places for Bourdais, including the third Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing Honda, the team endeavours to run, also need significant funding. Now, when Marshall wrote about this when Hinchcliffe got cut, Ray Hall themselves were rumoured to say that they would, need, they would need about $6 million of funding to fund a third car for the year. Borde clearly isn't rocking that sort of cash. No, he's um, Hinchcliffe, who's sponsored by Honda Canada. Even they're not willing to put up that kind of cash. But are they willing to gonna... put up whatever cash was needed to get that now vacant second seat at Coin? Mm. If is that going to be enough? Time that's will the tell. They're going to have to make it work. And that's the point I was going to make overall. It seems to be getting harder and harder and harder now to get funding to run in this series. Like, the landscape of American marketing isn't rich and plentiful. Mm -hmm. You know, even teams like Chip Ganassi have struggled in the past to fund big, big teams. I mean, they've only just gone back up to three now the next season to, to basically... And we all know Marcus Erickson has funded probably the majority of that seat, if not all of it. We already knew Marcus was well-backed from his Formula One days. Um, Swedish food processing companies come in handy for this sort of mm -hmm. thing. Who would have thunk it? But um, this seems to be a growing trend in this series now where it seems to be harder to bring these sponsors to America. And especially if you're not one of the big three. And even the big threes had issues with this before. Like I said, like I said, Chip has run two cars for the last couple of years. And he's only got running three this year because one guy's fully funding his ride. Yeah, That's what's alarming to me about this. Yeah, to be fair, they would run as a two-car operation if they didn't have funding. Because back when they had four cars, think about who were running the uh, the so-called B-team. Charlie Kimball, who had sponsorship from Novo Nordisk throughout his throughout his, the entirety mm. of his career, and Matt Chilton, who comes from who comes from the money that his father brings in. Right. So that's 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 the pattern I've noticed. Is that it seems to be that the lower down teams seem to be struggling for funding, mm -hmm. and that's I think that's part of the reasons why why Spencer Piggott is no longer at Ed Carpenter Racing as mm -hmm. well. It's been a it's been a recurring theme of of this off season, and now. We're in a very strange place where we're in an IndyCar offseason. The season starts in less than four months' time. And we have a, a panel that's going to have no Sebastian Bourdais in it. And there's a good chance there'll be no James Hinchcliffe next year either. Right. That's wild to me. Like, the series, one of the series' greatest champions and arguably its most popular driver on a, on a mainstream level. Wild. This is some crazy shit. Um... And James right now is literally like literally raising money for charity as we speak by sending mitts. What a guy. <laughs> on a the clock moves on. But uh, yeah, like Sebastian Bourdais, not an IndyCar next year. That makes me very sad. 
Yeah. To be fair, it's it's not as cruel a cut as a terminally ill Walter Payton getting his shares in that Dale Coin racing team getting sold while he was ill. But mm. still, it's kind it's it seems a bit harsh. It's very harsh. Like Well, thank goodness uh, there was an opportunity in another series where, you know, he wouldn't be left without a ride at all next year. Right. I mean, that's true. I, I, it's just I find it annoying that a team hasn't bent over backwards to try and accommodate him because we saw it with Dale Coyne a couple of years ago. If Bordeg has a right car underneath him, he's an immediate title contender. And even if he doesn't have the right car underneath of him, he can still overachieve because, hey, Dale Coyne are still better than, let's say, AJ Ford or Carlin, but they're not as well-resourced as any one of the big three. Yeah, and some of the performance that he's pulled out of that car... You know, look at him coming back from his massive injury at Indianapolis. Look at where he was tracking before he had his injury at Indianapolis. It could have been a pole-winning run. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Seb is every bit as good a runner as many in, 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 in the top three teams that are in the series right now, and it's a damn shame that purely financial reasons has yanked him out of the series. That sucks. And that's not entirely Dale Coyne's fault either. Let me just point out, they mentioned this as well earlier on, that uh, at the 11th hour when they were testing the aero screen in Sebring, one of their main sponsors for 2020 pulled the plug. Sealmaster! Yeah, Sealmaster pulled out at the 11th hour, and that basically changed everything for Dale Coyne overnight. They they told everybody on site um, the same night. And, uh, yeah... What is it with uh, companies doing this at Sabring? Peugeot has, well, they they were logged into the chat. Yeah, now they weren't. You know, actually, well, they plan to log back in, and you know what? Sebastian Bourdais probably has some good connections in that team still. Oh, yeah. I, I think it would be more likely that Pagano comes back, because by the time they get back there, Bourdais is going to be like 43 years old. I mean, he Stick is... them both in the car. Why not? Oh, that's fair. Sure. Nico sure, Hulkenberg too. I mean, we we know he's looking for something to do. Yeah. Besides names. Besides besides shoot his shot on Instagram. <laughs> That's gonna be Nico Hulkenberg's next career move, by the way. It's the only way he's gonna get a win. No, he'll probably probably just finishing fourth. Uh speaking <laughs> of victories, we need to talk about bets. We need to talk about oh. wagers. Wherein you dare yourself to do something. You dare yourself to do something. You put so much pride into your team that you're willing to bet yourself stupid things if they don't do something. Uh, oh, yeah? Fast forward to Fuji Speedway in the inaugural Super GT slash DTM Dream Race. The long anticipated, 10 years in the making crossover event between the two series running to class, class 1 regulations. And yes, while they did have the benefit of having more entries in the series, the Super GT teams were not necessarily, you know, well acquainted with the hand-cooked tires from the DTM, if the DTM finale at the Hockenheim was any indication. RJ, what did one Super GT driver describe them as? Uh, describe them as being harder than wood. That would be Sugio oh. Matsuda, the sport, the winningest driver in the history of GT500 competition. Who drove in the Hockenheim finale. So yeah, very daunting task ahead. But with Nick Cassidy winning from pole on Saturday. And surprise, surprise, Nareen Carthacan, remember him? 
going from oh, the wow. front row exactly to as scripted exactly as it was scripted car the can drives away on the final lap as marco whitman and loic duval uh beat and bang for second place Super GT teams win both legs of the dream race, and thus Ryan King has to eat the spiciest dish of curry that he can order on the first attempt. It's unfortunately it was not without some uh, vehicle casualties because oh my god, Loic Duval rode off his car on the on the reconnaissance lap going to the grid after he'd qualified second on the Saturday race. Oh dear. There was a couple massive pileups in the second race as well. IndyCar Series Rookie of the Year of 2008, Hideki Muto pretty much wrote off his Mugen NSS and Friday practice, which gave them five-place grit drops for both races, including one where Daisuke Nakajima, younger brother of Kazuki, was the fastest qualifier on Sunday, but was dropped to sits in what would be his final race as he announced his retirement at age 30. I think what this proves is that in GT500, Dunlop and Yokohama tires on the NSX are straight trash. You know what the most interesting thing is, by the way, because that Sunday race was plagued by multiple incidents, um, including uh, including an incident where five of the six Lexuses got taken out right inside of Toyota GR Super Corner. Oh, on brand? Yes. Question mark? Two of the Honda, two of the Hondas, uh, three ran of the into Hondas, each- yeah, three of the Hondas actually ran into each other. Two of them ended up crashing out, and then James. That's a bit too close to the mark, surely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of this happening with a span of thirty seconds, and that led to, um, I want to say that was like three different safety car interventions. Three of them. I think because, the, I think because, there was two closely grouped together. Yeah, because Duval blew a left rear tire. Rast blew a left rear tire because Audi didn't get enough time making their dry setups. So this meant a lot of double file safety car restarts, which the DTM has. They call it the Indy restart. And Narain Car the Can nailed them all because, quote, he had a lot of experience from his time racing in the NASCAR truck series in 2010. Never forget that Narain Car the Can was 2010's most popular driver of the NASCAR truck series. And he only ran like eight races. This was his first win since the Brno Auto GP World Series round in 2013. Wasn't this his first win in anything but a single seater? Yes, it pre- precisely it was. Wow. So that's a, as a result of that spicy curry level five for Ryan King. Yes, and for and for backer of the show Sasha as well, who was pinning all of his hopes not only to his beloved Audi but also his hated BMW because Aston Martin didn't bother to show up. <laughs> Other takeaways from the race. Three-time Le Mans winner Benoit Trellier had so much fun that he is now considering coming out of retirement and going to race full-time once more. Um, Motor Trend On Demand completely dropped the ball. They have exclusive rights to broadcast DTM in the U.S., but didn't actually show the race, but still had the gall to geoblock DTM's new over-the-top streaming service for Matt in the U.S., meaning I had to watch the Sunday race with a fucking VPN. Fuck Motor Trend On Demand. And also, I love the flats that Alex Zanardi just basically used this as prep to go. He used this as prep for the 2020 Paralympics. Awesome. Straight baller, as always. Uh, so, um, MotoGP news. Um, Mark Marquez got hurt again. 
Well, yeah, they doubled down on this one. There was the, like we've just had their last test of 2019, the Haref test. Um, two days over there, Maverick Vinales, fastest man overall in the test, because Maverick Vinales has to be fastest at every test. Those are the rules. Um, but it was a big incident. On day one of the test itself, Mark Marquez had a crash and damaged his other shoulder. Now, you may think, well, why has that happened, and why is he having shoulder surgery on it? Reason being is because, remember the airwalking crash he had at Sepang following Fabio Quattararo at qual during qualifying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Turns out he hurt that shoulder pretty bad in that accident. It was a nasty one on, on the braking. The man was airwalking for a reason. It wasn't pretty, um, to say the least. And when he crashed at Haref, he hurt it. He hurt it further. Now he's claiming that this wasn't as bad um, as, as the other uh, reconstructed shoulder he had last year. Um, this was more preventative than anything else. Um, but. It's going to be another long off-season of training and getting back up to speed for Mark Marquez. Also, it's a terrifying thought to know that he basically won that Valencia race with a damaged shoulder. <laughs> the he's way just, that he's, he's running out of shoulders. I, I don't know if I should be that skate, this unsurprising at this point with him. He's a freak. He's a freak. There, there is no other word to describe it. He's Mark Marquez freak. is about to become like the first person to ride, ride with like all cybernetic limbs. Something along those lines. I mean, he already is part, part machine at this point. I mean, why not, right? Just fucking go all the way with it. Um, yeah, he's, he's he had surgery on it, on that same left shoulder literally about three hours ago. Um, Repsol Honda released the same as saying the surgery was a complete success, and he will now be in recovery for 2020. And the next test at uh, Sepang, I believe, in February of next year. So, uh, yeah, he'll be going through pretty much the same rehab cycle he did last year before crushing everybody's souls. Um, also... Better get your wins in early next year, everybody. Speaking of crushed yeah. souls... Um... Sully, have you have you ever just like uh, taken to social media to just put uh, put a company on blast and say they're like the worst? Uh, I don't think I have. Um, no, that's 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 perfectly valid. I don't use social media for that. But let's say hypothetically, if you did, um, would you then expect to get hired by that same pump company that you trashed in public? No. Well, you're nothing like uh, two-time intermediate-level champion Johan Zarco. Yes, Johan oh. Zarco, one week after throwing Avintia under the bus, we mentioned it on last week's show, um, that uh, he basically said he would rather ride a Mark VDS ride in Moto2 than, uh, than actually take part in MotoGP with the customer of Intia team, the bottom feeders of the MotoGP field. Turns out he's probably signed for them already. Um, it's actually a little bit sad because uh, there's a there was a bit of a uh, countermeasure on this. Um, the the Avintia team, who celebrated last week by becoming a full satellite team rather than just being a customer team, and they'll be rocking GP19s in the field next year, so no more two-year-old bikes on the MotoGP paddock. But uh, they celebrated by dumping Karen Abraham. Um, he, like, I did mention this last week. He did have an agreement in place to race in 2020. He was fired by email. Whoa. Uh, his contract was terminated, and it's basically forced him to retire. Carol Abraham's uh, about to resurface on Czech TV, saying he's had four over 40 pizzas in 30 days in about, oh, eight months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, RJ, no. No. 
Oh dear. Like let's let's just say he's had to tweet through it because he he revealed this during a PR event back at his home circuit in Brno, the one his, his dad owns. Um, and basically saying that he wouldn't be in MotoGP next year and that uh, his contract was terminated by Avincia. Um, and uh, it's all but confirmed that Johan Zarco will take his seat. The, the Avincia have already put out a statement saying they are going to explain in full um, their rider up for, for 2020 next week. So again, it could be by the time this goes out, who knows. Um, but probably next week they will make the big announcement that Johan Zarco has joined their team. It's shit for Carol Abraham. There is no getting around that. The man had an agreement in place and he had his contract terminated via email. That is just shit. Yeah. Which no matter- they try and they said that they had to do to secure their future. Uh, well, I mean, to be fair... I mean, to be fair, Carol Abraham has been a guy that has been well known for funding bikes. Um, as, but the problem is, is that that funding has waned over the last few years. His dad is probably, his dad is fighting hard to keep Bruno open as a racetrack mm-hmm. right now. And when I was there on holiday last year, I will tell you for free that place is not in great shape. Um, so I can't say I'm I'm surprised at that. It's, it reminds me a bit of Imola, very rustic shall we say. That track is in the middle of nowhere, trust me. Um, and uh, yeah, it's not the best facilities-wise. It's okay, but it's it needs work. And um, that place is struggling, and they're, fa- they're like them. I don't want to say their family is struggling, because I mean, shit, they're, 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 they're struggling in terms of the context of racing drivers and funding needed. Let's put it to you that way. Um, and yeah, like that, the writing was kind of on the wall for Carol already, but uh, to, by any measure, it is shit to be sacked by email. And uh, that reminds me, it happened with Jody and Palmer when he was at Renault a couple of years ago. He was he found out via Autosport that he'd been sacked before the team had even told him, which is shit. No matter which, I don't care who you are or how bad you think somebody is at their job, that's not a very professional or nice way to find out you've lost your job. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, my sympathies for Carol. Um, and hey, you know, he could retire half-heartedly saying he has the same number of career wins as Fabio Quattararo. One. <laughs> you know, they all, it all counts, right? Oh dear. Carol will be missed. I know he's got a, a very small pocket of very dedicated fans who loved him very much and he's a great guy I've listened to, I've listened to many interviews with him he's a very very nice guy very candid very honest but uh, very passionate he genuinely loved his job and uh, I wish him the best in whatever he decides to do next mm-hmm. um, as for Johan Zarco I wish I could be that bad at PR and still get jobs for it because boy <laughs> I, I, I put it on Twitter. Like, Johan Zarco is about as bad at PR as I am at handing in a buffet line that he's going to get a, a GP19 Ducati at the 11th hour. Like a Pittsburgh Steelers could... quarterback. Which one? Pick yeah. one. <laughs> uh, you name it. There's our obligatory NFL reference for the evening. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and again, to those who are who are angered by Honda's decision to overlook him, the man broke contract with KTM because he didn't like the bike and then just openly bashed Avantia for two weeks before we're 99% sure uh, signing with them. Johan Zarco's about to become like the newest Har- Harley Davidson factory rider in Moto E in like five years at the going rate. You name it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much at this point. In case you're curious as well, taking the extra Mark VDS bike next year will be Augusto Fernandez moving over from the Pons team. 
could easily be title favourite in Moto2 going into 2020 and yeah, joining the Mark VDS Moto2 team alongside new teammate Sam Lowe's. A very easy job for the pit crew because all they had to do was swap Alex Marcus's old numbers around. 37 against 73. I was about to make the same damn joke. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Um, so yeah, that's a thing. And also confirming that uh, Renzo Dana Porter has moved up to be teammates with um, Enea Bastianini at the Italtrans Moto2 team as well. So yeah, a uh, nice little all-Italian dream team there at Italtrans there for next season. So again, keep an eye on that ultimate spicy italian um dre mm. race fixing it's bad uh any form yes. of uh manipulating the outcome in a sporting event is is accepted to be bad do we, do we all agree on this pretty much um, shut up flavio <laughs> nascar is in the mid it's been rocked devastated shaken to its core by four different teams uh, being found guilty of manipulating results in the championship finale of the Homestead Miami of uh, the NASCAR Cup Series race. Now, right. um, but they're not the teams you're thinking of. This is not the championship four. This is not anybody at Joe Gibbs, Roger Penske, Rick Hendrick, what have you. <clears throat> mm -hmm. uh, NASCAR competition officials issued significant penalties Wednesday to premium motorsports, Rick Ware Racing and Spire Motorsports for manipulating the results of the season-ending Monster Energy Series race at Homestead Miami Speedway, uh, docking them 50 points from the 2019 team owner standings for their role in altering the finish order of the Ford EcoBoost 400. And suspensions and fines were also included in the punishments. These, uh, these four teams, the number 15 and 27 from Premium Motorsports, the 52 from Rick Ware Racing, and the 77 of Spire Motorsports, the same exact car that shithoused its way to a rain-delayed Pepsi 400 win in July at Daytona. Zombie Furniture Row. Yes, Zombie Furniture Row was involved in a race-fixing scandal for the literal participation trophy of the NASCAR Cup Series. Because, of course... This is for this is to determine the top team of the open teams. These are the non-charter entries. Uh, as a result of the penalties, none of them ended up finishing as the top open team. Yeah, you played yourselves. Just think about this, you... though. The lengths that people will go because it was all an agreement between the three teams to all retire to give the number 27 of otherwise likable driver and perennial underdog Ross Chastain... A 35th place finish, which would have sealed him the top spot. Ross Chastain deserves better than this. He does. He really does. But just think of he the does. lengths that they will take to manipulate the results for 35th in the owner points. At least when Michael Waltrip did some race fixing, at least they were in the championship fight. Yeah. Right. It, I can almost understand that logic. Yeah. To be fair, though, it is a difference of, like, six figures worth of money between the first and the second best of these open teams who well, don't get a lot of highlights that just highlights all of the problems with nascar's charter system and who it leaves out in the cold yeah for instance so for perspective last time we had something like this was spingate in september 2013 michael waltrip racing was fined three hundred thousand dollars and martin truex jr was booted out of the playoffs in a scandal that the team would never recover from as they folded 24 months later. Yeesh. 
I found that nice. I found it to be very amusing. Um, briefs. <laughs> Sports cars in well, brief. We covered Bourdais, Christina Nielsen, and Catherine Legg have new rides in a Lamborghini for Grass Racing Team. And Cam, I'm going to give you about five minutes to gloat about the Kailami nine hours going so good for you. Oh, man. So, returning to a nine-hour link for the first time since 1982, returned the Kiyolami Endurance Race. Beautifully renovated track, by the way. Put this track in every series. It's wonderful. Porsche did an amazing job with this. I'm not just saying the try and feed Cam's ego. It's beautiful. Oh, the ego's already big enough. So, Mercedes came into this race with a substantial lead in the Drivers' and Manufacturers' Championships. Stop me if you've heard that one before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the race didn't exactly go to plan. Their lead car, affectionately known as the Mersnakies, of Maxi Fook, all it really had to do was just make the rounds and finish this race, and they win the title in both the Manufacturers and and, uh, Drivers' Championships. How many laps did they finish again, Cam? None! They crashed out at turn one. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Maxi Book tried to cut to the outside of turn one, drove into the side of the number 12 Porsche, and initially I thought it was the classic Mercedes AMG GT3 issue of front wheel contact means a broken steering rack. Actually, no, it caused catastrophic ignition coil failure. Explain that one to me. <laughs> But not all hope was lost for Mercedes because they still had a big enough championship lead that even as Porsche was whooping that ass, they still had a car high enough that they could take the title in the manufacturers. Until Tristan Vautier until Tristan Vautier decided he was going to bury his Mercedes five feet in a tire wall. Aforementioned Tristan Vautier, noted Bass Pro Shops connoisseur. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Oh, and then at the end of the race, we had a Mercedes leading, trying desperately to clutch the championship. Death, taxes, Nick Tandy in the rain. (laughs) Nick Tandy winning with Matthew Jaminet and your new Intercontinental GT Challenge champion. Another person that the Junior Formula Ladder let get away, 23-year-old Norwegian Dennis Olsen. Yep. They won the race, they took the driver's title, and they took the manufacturer title after trailing by almost 20 points going into the race. You know, uh, Dennis Olsen is pretty good when he's finishing in junior championship sandwich between guys named Nick DeVries and Alex Albon. It is a fucking crime that he is not in a single-seater seat. But hey, we'll take him. Sure. So, uh, in summary, once again, get fucked, Toki. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, oh, they reign supreme once again. We weren't kidding, folks. Can 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 someone please like get a tissue, a box of tissues, and maybe a sock for Cam because he's getting far too excited about this. <laughs> uh, this is just uh, continuing on with the theme of filth. Nothing but pure um, filth. Also, also, I'd like to re- to echo Toki's comments. He's listening in right now, and I quote. <clears throat> Fuck you, Cam. Fuck you massively in big capital letters. Yeah, I don't have your championship leading car wipeout. A turn one of a nine-hour race. 
I mean, it could have. Uh, it could yeah. be worse. We could all be posting the Sapruder film on Maine. <laughs> sake. Speaking of speaking of horrible things, Abu Dhabi and odd years. Yes, your Formula oh, seasons. Your Formula seasons over, and so is Formula Two. Um, and Will Smith the, isn't going to be there. The worst race on the goddamn calendar. Hmm? Yeah, Formula One season finale in Abu Dhabi this weekend. Yay! I mean, I mean, I mean do I, we really care? No. I kind of care like, because I mean, look, there's Scuderia Ferrari is a disease. It's basically the F1 version of having the clap at this point. Though there are still um, as many as six remaining contests, including um, Verstappen versus the Ferraris for third in the championship, Gasly versus Sainz for the uh, for sixth place in the championship, uh, midfield runner-up. Uh, between Ricardo, Perez, Norris, Raikkonen, Hulkenberg, and Kvyat. Uh, can George Russell get in the points? Can Scuderia Toro Rosso finish in the top half? Can Racing vo- Point of Void finishing eighth? I, I, Which Haas are we going to get this weekend? I just, yeah, I just feel like this is like clutching at straws of the ninth degree right here. And Will no Smith, really cares. yeah, and Will Smith's not even going to be there, so what's the fucking point? Oh, shit. <sighs> Even worse. Um, We're not even going to have Nico Rosberg dunking Max Verstappen through the floor. God damn it. (sighs) Is this podcast episode over? Pretty much. (laughs) Look, Abu Dhabi is a thing. We can't wait for it to be over. You know, let's just get it over and done with so we can get our season reviews and start thinking about Christmas. Like, sod that shit. Lewis Hamilton will probably win. He'll probably go over 400 points and break his own points record for the year. Good for him. No one cares. Let's get the hell up out of Dallas. Okay. <laughs> if the, if the Ferraris hit each other, if the Ferraris hit each other again, I'm taking a holiday trip to Marinello. Are you going to be going via the front door or the back door when you go there? The roof when the orbital strike cannon blows a hole in it. Something like that. <laughs> and I think on that bombshell, is it time to wrap this up? Zoe, I'm so glad you're back. Thank you. Does she still want to pay rent? Anyway. Anyway. I paid before. I'm I'm sure you'll pay again now. Alright, basically you can find us one more time before we get out of here. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Twitter at WeZoe at Motorsport underscore 101. At Harrison 101 HD. At RJ O'Connell. At CBuckley 917. Our website, Motorsport101.com. And our Patreon, if you want to back us financially, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to all of our shows. $10 gets you access to uh, our supporters club and our Discord server. You can listen to these shows live as they are being recorded. Thanks very much to Jason, to Tony, to Charles, um, to Toki. <laughs> Screw him. And Vince in the Discord for listening <laughs> in. Um, and thanks everybody for, for enjoying the show. I hope you enjoyed this slightly shorter edition. Hey! I told you we'd go short. An hour 20. What did I tell you? For once, I got it right. I've been, Ar- I've been Andre Harrison. They've been Cam Buckley, RJ O'Connell, and Zoe Hamilton. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. Bring on the Bathurst 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs>